Welcome back to another awesome episode of Rankable. I am, I can't, I can't even begin to express how excited I am. One of my favorite people is joining me today. I'm joined by Arij Abu Ali. Arij, so what doesn't she do? She's the founder of uh, Women in Tech SEO. She's an SEO consultant. She's the head of SEO at Papier. Been doing this for eight plus years, in-house, agency, all around the bend. And one thing that I love about Arija is she's always advancing diversity. She actually won an award for diversity and inclusion in search marketing. Uh, she does conference speaking at SMX and Moscon and Brighton SEL, like wherever you name it. And she's a mom. So she and I are like our, our babies were born within a few months. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Arija. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't normally reach out to people and ask them to have me on their podcast, but I reached out to you because you are my favorite host ever. And I just really enjoy getting to have a conversation with you. Oh my gosh. It's been too long. And, and we have so much in common, despite being so different. We both are so passionate um, about our industry and just making it a better place and improving it. You've built this amazing community. So many of the women that I've had on Rankable are active members in Women in Tech SEO. Um, but today I want to talk about something that that's completely different, which is your in-house role. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the challenges that SEOs face when working in-house that's so different than um, many of the SEO roles. So I just want to, I, I want to hear you talk. I'm, I'm tired of talking. I want to know, <laughs> dive into in-house. So first off, what, what do people misunderstand about in-house SEO the most? I remember when I was agency side, I was there for a little bit over five years and um and I wanted to make the move to in-house and I asked a lot of folks for advice. And one of the things that was, a lot of people seem to think it's so much easier <laughs> than working agency side for some reason. Um, and a lot of them seem to feel like in-house, you don't actually get much work done. It's more a lot of meetings, a lot of stakeholder discussions and so forth. Um, that was not my experience in the two in-house roles that I've had. Uh, quite the opposite, actually. Like I thought there was a lot about it that was much more challenging than it being agency side. And I thought there was a lot of time spent on execution. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a little bit of a misconception there that people tend to have about in-house. And, and to that point, and I, I've experienced that a little as well, it, it's not always just the bureaucracy. It's just knowing a just one specific website that you become obsessed about and you you really perfect. And so it's like all those nuances. It's almost like raising the kid. It's like whatever works for everyone else doesn't necessarily work um, just for you. You kind of have to figure it out your, yourself, right? Yeah, I think there's like advantages and disadvantages to that. I mean, people who are new to SEO, I tend to tell them go agency side because then you get this experience of like working across like a large number of websites and industries and so forth. But then once you move in-house, you actually get this, you're able to really dive deep into that one website and kind of dissect it and analyze it and know it inside out. And there's just a lot that can come out of that as opposed to when you're agency side and you tend to just kind of just brush the surface of some websites that, that you work with. Absolutely. And you get more insight in terms of what the internal goals are because mm -hmm. you're working for all these different stakeholders very intimately. But for you, What's the biggest challenge that you're you're facing in your role right now and and how are you actually tackling it? Yeah, I think this will probably be something that's relatable for a lot of folks, but um 
when you're in-house, you're kind of short on resources. That tends to be the case. So um, I'm in a, you know, my, my usual go-to would have been struggling to, for example, get developers to work on my recommendations. But actually in my current in-house role, it's the opposite because I happen to sit in the tech team, which nice. is very rare, but which is amazing. So what's happening is that I'm short on content resources. <laughs> so, you know, it's never like the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. Um, but a lot of it really reflects on like where you're sat, where you're sat within the team and priorities that other teams te seem to have. So if, for example, tons of the opportunities that you've identified fall under a certain team and you don't have enough resources there, that tends to be a challenge. I think, you know, SEO in general is just very, very cross-functional. We tend to put out a lot of recommendations, but then we depend on a lot of other experts um, to kind of execute and get a lot of that work done, um, which kind of puts us in this difficult position of having to, you know, fight for some of that resource. Oh, absolutely. It, you really do have to have great relationships with so many different people in the organization. So specifically for content, how are you kind of going at it? Are you taking the initiative to kind of make the business case for more content? Are you just like kind of paring down your requests and just being like, okay, that's that's not the priority right now? What, what's your mindset? I think it's a mix of both. So I try to get a good understanding behind what their priorities are and what they're focused on. And then I try to see whether I can, you know, slip some of my recommendations within that, because then, you know, it's like a, it's a win-win for everyone. So it's like, let's say, for example, they're focused on um, producing content for these specific products within that quarter, then that also could become my focus. And I could, you know, have recommendations that are specifically related to that. I also have a really good understanding behind like their calendar and their seasonality and what matters for them and um, how far in advance do they want to produce the content and so forth. And so again, I can go in and I can like tap in their calendar and have recommendations alongside the work, but also just giving them more support and help. So not simply saying we need more content about like X topic, but actually, you know, doing some of that research and identifying some of the topics that could be helpful and backing a lot of it with data just makes their job much easier as opposed to just saying, could you please write us content? content about like topic X. Yeah, internal con communications makes so much sense. And, and I think being empathetic to what their roles and their mm -hmm. goals as their job are um, is a really smart way to go about it. How did you, like when you first entered your role, were you clued into their like editorial calendars or did you have to be pro, uh, proactive? Like how would you recommend other in-house SEOs mm -hmm. kind of develop that relationship and get that information? Yeah, no, you need to be super proactive for sure. I think, you know, anyone new who comes in specifically in an in-house role, like uh, the majority of uh, in-house SEO teams are not that big. You usually have, you know, qu quite a small team in the majority of organizations. So you need to come in and then you need to kind of introduce yourself. You need to meet different stakeholders. If there are people that you know you're going to work with a lot, like make sure you have frequent touch-ins, whether that's like every two weeks or once a month or so forth. Have shared Slack channels together where you can kind of share some of the work um, and just kind of loop them in about, you know, what your goals are and what your KPIs are and what you're being measured against and then understand what they're being measured against. And I'm sure you will find that, you know, that there is 
there's probably like similarities there, what you're being measured on and what they're being measured on. Um, so yeah, being proactive is super important. And I think just that education piece as well of, you know, well, what is SEO and why is SEO important? And why does it not only matter to me, but why does it matter to you? And why does it matter to the business as a whole? With the content team specifically, I think like this, this idea of uh, SEO content is, is definitely an idea that we all need to like slowly remove from our vocab, because if if we're all aligned on this idea that, well, this content that we're producing is actually so helpful for our users and readers as a whole, then they will start looking at it in a different way as opposed to, oh, this is just something that the SEO team need for their checklist. It's it's obviously very apropos to what's going on in the SEO world. This this episode we actually recorded last week, um, but we you know the previous week we just heard about this helpful content update, and you know it could be a big nothing burger, but it could you know flip the whole SEO world upside down, uh, like Panda did you know ten plus years ago. Do you what's your opinion? Or what, I guess, what are your predictions or opinion of what's going to happen with this update, Arish? Like, do you have any strong opinions about the helpful content update? Um, I'm really excited about it. I think a lot of people feel excited about it. I, I think it's probably a core update, but they've just renamed it to make us feel better. <laughs> Where, <laughs> you know, core update by itself sounds a bit scary, but then when you know what it's targeting and what it's focusing on, that, that makes it feel more and also it's kind of like aligned with a lot of what we've been recommending for several years now. So there's nothing about it that kind of scares us or puts us off. The complete opposite, which is hopefully this can kind of give support that we do need more resource and we need more support when it comes to things like on page and content. Um, I'm excited about it. I don't know whether it's going to be it's probably going to be one of those things where we're going to have several iterations. So potentially the first iteration is going to be one of those where, you know, super foundational, very fundamental, like tackles the, the the spam of the spam, which we would expect it to. And then moving forward, like the the future iterations will probably be a little bit more aggressive in terms of targeting things that we wouldn't have potentially expected to target. I, I feel like that, that, perspective makes a lot of sense. A lot of people kind of support that as well as like, if you're doing content for the user, if you're producing mm -hmm. good SEO, then you shouldn't be hurt. I think the the big fear for SEOs who, you know, not necessarily rationally freak out about it, but they, they get upset is the idea of what if Google gets it wrong? You know, mm -hmm. like, what if, like, can we trust Google to not inadvertently penalize people who are doing content and SEO for the user and doing it well, you know? Yeah, I think the tricky bit as well is it, it's so dependent on the website type where, for example, if you work on an aggregator or marketplace type of website, like some of your templates, there's only so much content that's going to be there. Like, you know that your users are there to search. Uh, like I used to work for um, Zoopla, who are similar to Zillow in the U.S., and so, you know, the majority of it, people write in like a specific town or a postcode, and then they just want to see listings of houses. Uh, so it's like, well, how much content makes sense from a reader or user perspective? Like, we don't want to have content just for the sake of making Google happy, which is essentially what Google is telling us. Whereas you have other websites, which are more like informational website publications, news, and so forth. Those are more likely to be impacted. So I think it's with the type of websites like, you know, marketplace or e-commerce or so forth, where it's like, well, how how much content is good content and how much content makes sense? Like that's the bit that some people seem to be struggling to understand at the moment. 
Yeah, it's gonna. We're we're gonna keep be keeping our eyes peeled to see just what what happens because a lot of people can't ultimately predict it. I'm curious. Okay, I, I'm gonna put this out there, and and I know you have you know a lot of strong views in our industry. What's one thing about SEO that almost no one agrees with you about? Oh my god, that's such a tough question. Um... I'm not, I think for the longest time ever, I used to go around saying, you know, technical SEO is your backbone, it's your foundation, you need to get it, you need to get it right. And that's something that everyone agreed with. But over time, to be honest, it's for me, it's just starting to really become content, content, content. And I think, you know, even if you have a, it's so dependent on the website that you're working on, but there is only so much that uh, fixing or having good technical SEO is gonna is is going to do for you. I've seen some websites which are extremely messy but have very very good content that seem to rank really really well. So yeah, it's it's becoming. I feel like I'm kind of contradicting what I used to say before, where I used to go in to any client and be like, oh my god, technical SEO is your backbone. Focus on that. You know, spend thirty percent of this year doing that before you even start considering like having proper on page and content. And now it's a little bit like, no, you know what? I think actually. We should really look at your content strategy. We should really look at what you're going after. Like that should be our priority with, you know, anything super broken can be done in in parallel. Okay. So we should keep our eyes peeled for your next Slack community, women in content strategy. (laughs) No, can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) I'd sign up, but I am, I'm on the outside looking at it. It's funny. You hear such great things about the community and then totally respect it. But as a guy, I'm just like, okay, it's not for me. I get it. It sounds so good. Um, So going back to in-house, tell me a little bit more about some of your relationships with different departments. Like how do you help them? How do they help you? How do how do you build those relationships? Yeah, I think being in-house, like you, I mean, you're so fortunate as an SEO because you pretty much work with every single team out there. So now that I'm e-commerce, I work a lot with teams like our visual merchandising team and our trading team and our operations team. And it's it's just, there's so much you can learn from working with these different teams. Um, I do, I do feel like I'm a little bit of an extension to some of these teams, um, specifically in terms of kind of providing that guidance of, yep, we can do this or no, this would be problematic from an organic perspective. Um, I work really closely with the paid team as well, purely from the perspective of they have so much data that as SEOs, we can benefit from. So we tend to have like monthly catch-ups and an understanding behind how their performance is changing on a year-on-year compared to organic. Um, And it's really achieving this balance, right? Because we'd both be doing our job better if we can kind of, you know, decrease spent on pay, but then rely more on organic and just kind of balance each other out. So, um, with the tech team, normally, like in other roles where I kind of sat outside on the marketing side, um, I probably spend a lot of time kind of trying to liaise with them and work with them, prioritize things. But right now, like I'm in such an advantage where because I sit within tech, so I get to attend their standups and I get to attend retro and I get to kind of feed in directly within uh, tickets and prioritization. So that's I found that very, very helpful. That's fun. It is so funny about how, you know, you you get deeper and deeper embedded in tech and then realizing the importance importance of content you still need to have those relationships and i i totally agree with you about you know having the paid team kind of as a great sounding board for seo and content and being in e-commerce i am curious about the seasonality 
of mm. your job, especially with, you know, Black Friday, we're a few few months away from that. Do you, does your communication increase from an SEO perspective as you get closer to those events? Yeah, seasonality. I've yeah, I've definitely experienced it the most working in e-commerce. And add to that the layer of the pandemic, (laughs) and what that's done as well in terms of forecasting and in terms of trying to understand year-on-year change and so forth. Um, We are a purely online um, company, so we we do not have any physical stores, which is you know also something that we need to factor in when it comes to pandemic and how it's changed the um consumers in general um so yeah i think that's definitely something we tend to plan a lot of it like on a quarterly basis so this quarter uh, q3 we would already have planned from the beginning of it q4 would have been planned and so forth um and it's something that also needs to be taken into account so the pay team are very very good at always sending us updated like trends so search trends and how those have changed on a year on your perspective um but also like on a year on you know two year on year on three year compared to how things were pre-pandemic as well well, that's the whole thing, right? Is like data, not that it goes out the window, but like looking year over year, literally for the last three years is so difficult because 100%. of the, yeah. the market conditions are so nuts. Do you do you have any, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction for the holiday season, but do you have any sort of trends or instincts? Like what do you, okay, I lied. I'm going to ask you a prediction. <laughs> what, what direction do you anticipate um, consumer behavior and from an SEO perspective? I, yeah, I think it's really, really unfair to forecast based on the market last year or the year before. Like even last year in the UK, we still had lockdown happen around Christmas. The year before there was like a very, very strict lockdown. So what was happening is a lot of people were relying on, you know, using online websites for uh, gifting and so forth. Whereas this year, fingers crossed, <laughs> touch wood, uh, it's going to be everything will be much, much more open and people will have the luxury of doing a lot of their gifting beforehand. And so you will see that return of purchasing things in physical stores. So uh, no, I think no question about it, like when it comes to search trends and um, specifically in the gifting market with the holidays, we will definitely see a downward trend when it comes to purchasing things online. I, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting too, though. One factor that could throw things off is the supply chain issues, just yes. in terms of like how long can you wait to get your deal in in mm. the actual store versus like are people, you know, so many of us are procrastinators with buying, but like are people actually going to buy ahead of time? Like, do you wait to last minute to buy your gifts, or are you? I, like, I yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm a little bit organized, but I do with, I think when it comes to gifting, I am a little bit of a last minute person, but to be honest, supply chain, like it's seriously affecting, um, like e-commerce websites as well. Like you, you can see that a lot there. And, uh, I know a lot of websites, for example, who have dropped this idea of next day delivery and so forth, because they are struggling also to, to meet these demands. I can imagine that comes up in the women in tech SEO, uh, you know, community and on the Slack channels, just talking about like structured data and getting your, you know, out of stock, you know, correct and fulfillment correct and having that all on the tech side implemented properly. Yeah, 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 definitely. We have a whole channel (laughs) just for it (laughs) Uh, that kind of focuses on that. And, uh, you know, it's something that I learned a lot of it working in e-commerce. Like it wasn't something that I used to pay too much attention to, but then this understanding of our different templates, our detail pages and our listing pages and what kind of schema we should host on those. And um, most recently as well with the new... um, 
videos, insights that we have mm. on Search Console. So this concept of something that was probably always a problem, but now feels like a problem because it's being reported. So even, you know, video schema and so forth. So yeah, there's there's definitely a lot there that you can do to just help yourself appear better and more in the service. Absolutely. You got to be on top of it there. And there, you know, Google's giving you more tools. I do want to bring it back to in-house. Um, in your role in-house, working with the di different departments we keep talking about, how do you manage up at your role when you get mm. up to those executive levels that have different, you know, goals than, than your immediate goal? Obviously, your goals are their goals, but how do you manage up with them? Yeah, that's a really, I think a lot of it, like I was one of the first SEOs to join my current company. And so there, I spent a lot of time initially just deep diving into, well, what will I actually report on? What should my benchmark be? And so forth. And I had a lot of conversations where I kind of got a good understanding behind what the business KPIs were. And then from that, I produced, okay, so these are going to be our SEO KPIs. And they were purely produced completely from our business objectives. And I think that makes sense then, because then it feels like everyone's speaking the same language. Um, and so, you know, if uh, organic revenue and then organic revenue year on year, organic revenue season on season, la la la, is what is being reported, then what I need to do is, you know, I, I, I need to show, okay, what is the percentage of share that organic have from that total. And so you, your aim at the end of the day is to have that going up and up and up. And I tend to also do like a compare, it's almost like SEO versus PPC type of percentage of share where you can see, oh, how that changes over time. And, you know, it's it's good news for everyone, right? Because if our, if our organic share is growing and our paid share is going down, then that's perfect because it means we're spending less and we're getting more free traffic. So yeah, I think just getting a really, spending some time really on understanding the business objectives. And then from that, you know, getting out, okay, so these are going to be our objectives for an organic perspective. Um, yeah. And sharing those wide and just asking for a lot of feedback. Like I remember I was really nervous the first monthly SEO report I sent out. And I, I was like, please give me feedback because if this isn't helpful or if this is something that you will simply like skim and skip, then there's no point, you know, spending time and energy doing it. So just, you know, don't be afraid to ask for feedback and take a lot of it on board and keep iterating and keep changing each time. I, I I love that you've gotta you gotta remove the ego. It's it's hard, you know. It's it's something for some people. It's it's hard to like remove the ego from the process. But you know, like you keep saying, it's like we're all on the same team, and we're all you know, one of us wins, we all win. Um, finally, and so many so many good conversations. I could talk to you for hours about all this <laughs> stuff. But um, you know, obviously, Eiffel Rank is an agency. We work with a lot of enterprises. What advice would you give to someone in house? who's working with an SEO agency, you know, mm. that they procured. Oh, I love that. I spent a lot of time in during my time at Zoopla um, getting sign off for an agency <laughs> and then working with an agency. And that was one of the coolest projects I ever worked on. And, you know, you, you have to, they need to be your team. Like they need to be part of the team and you need to make sure that you make them feel like they're part of the team and you need to loop them in, in all the conversations and, Something I always did when I was in-house was this idea of, I used to tell the, the entire marketing department, this is not the SEO agency. This is the our marketing agency. So this agency isn't just for SEO. It's also for PR. It's also for, uh, you know, it, it's also for our paid team. It's also for, it, it's something that, and so when you get sign off on projects or when you get an agreement, you need to make sure that you have representatives across the whole department kind of signing stuff off because 
if you go ahead and try to do your own thing with them, what might happen is that you end up like stepping on a lot of different toes in house. Um, and then it just, you know, it creates this these problems potentially between the agency and other folks within in-house. So make them part of the team, keep them updated with what's happening, share your goals and objectives with them, ask them for help, provide them with a lot of feedback, but also like do not, they're they're not just for you. They're not just your agency as SEO, they're your entire department or your entire team's agency. I, it makes so much sense. It's like, you are the point of contact, but to your point, it's like you treat them like another in-house employee. And if you do the same way, the communication, the feedback, all of that, and that if, you know, you're, if you win, they win, if they win, you win, it's, it, it all makes so much sense. And yet it's so easy to get wrong, like just to, you know, have those mishaps. But when you have that great relationship, then, you know, you and the agency can basically do anything together. Yeah, 100%. I I really enjoyed working with my agency and I think that was such a learning for me as well because I'd never I'd never put the time and effort to convince a, you know, an in-house department to get an agency on board and then, you know, have to make sure that the agency fits in and it was a it was a huge learning, but also I learned so much from them, right? As as having them as my agency. So, yeah. I love that. Okay. Are you ready for our final segment? This is going to be our rapid fire rankings. Oh, I'm no. going to give you <laughs> yep, series, series of quick questions. Just give me like the first thing that comes to your mind. It's all okay. about SEO, all stuff, you know, inside and out. Okay. We're going to do this. Set the clock. Here we go. Rank your best SEO marketing or marketing win. Oh, I'm already stuck. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's the pressure of having to answer quickly. Okay, okay, say say it again, say it again. Okay, rank your best SEO or marketing win. Um, We indexed about, we de-indexed about 70% of our website (laughs) once, which was insane, but actually it had a, we got massive gains from it. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, rank your top three SEO tools. Uh, da, 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 da. Screaming Frog, Sitebulb, mm, Search Console. Okay, perfect. Rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Oh, <laughs> um, to be honest, like spending a whole lot of time on the website, never mind the tools, like just spending time on the website going through the navigation, just treating it as a user. And this is the first thing you should do on any new website that you work with. I love that advice. Rank what you love most about SEO. <laughs> um, I don't know, always keeps you on your toes. Like it's always changing, which is really, really fun. So yeah, it never, never feels boring. Never gets boring. Rank your best learning SEO resource. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, uh, women in tech SEO Slack community, oh. no question about it. I literally just go through, just, I spend like questions and answers. I just read them and I'm, I feel like I'm learning so much. Rude. I can't participate, but you heard it. <laughs> go check it out. Okay. This is the worst one. This is the worst one. Okay. okay. Uh, and you're going to leave people out, but that's okay. Rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most look up to. Oh, Aleda, Aleda, Aleda. <laughs> um, Hannah Smith, so much love for her. Um, uh, da, da, da. Roxana Stingu, she is uh, just a brilliant technical SEO and human. 
That's, I mean, they're they're all brilliant. I, I was reading Hannah's uh, newsletter recently, and and every single one is just so killer. Okay, and finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. Ah, uh, women in tech SEO. <laughs> Thank you. You've already given it so much love, but yeah, if there are any women who have not come across it, please do join us. Um, completely free. You can find all of our resources and groups on womenintechseo.com. Amazing, Arij, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure, your wealth of knowledge, you are an amazing part of our community, making it better every day. I appreciate you. If people wanna find you online, where do you hang out? Where's the best place? Um, I spend far too much time on Twitter, <laughs> I shouldn't. Uh, Arij underscore Abali, and yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn and on the Women in Tech SEO Slack, and yeah. There you go, we'll have links in the description, but thank you so much for joining me, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. My name is Garrett Sussman. This has been the Rankable Podcast for iPoll Rank. We will catch you next week. Signing off. Bye.